This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. It's time once again for another episode of the Law and Medicine Show, being sponsored by the law firm of Princenthal and May. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. And now, please welcome your host and their guests on today's episode. Welcome to the show. My name is Adam Princenthal. I'm a partner with the law firm of Princenthal and May. We have offices here in Atlanta, Georgia, and also in West Georgia, specifically uh, LaGrange. Uh, Our firm focuses on representing people who have been seriously injured or who have lost a loved one as the result of the carelessness or recklessness of others. And we also represent people who have been injured in uh, on-the-job accidents in the workers' compensation realm. Um, I've been practicing law for 17 years now, and one of the things, one of the many things I really love about this profession is that I'm constantly learning um, new things, having new experiences. Every case, almost every case, brings about uh, something new and unique, whether it's my client, uh, the at-fault party, the defendant, or if we're involved in litigation with a corporation, a business, I learn about that business, uh, whether it's an explosion in a chemical plant that I learn about the chemical plant's business or um, a case we have now where a Cobb County transit bus hit a pedestrian in a, in a crosswalk. I learn about what type of uh, training bus drivers undergo and what types of policies and procedures uh, the bus drivers should follow. Uh, I also often learn about the medicine, almost always learn about the medicine uh, involved in the treatment of my clients. And, and so what I really, one of the things I really like about my job in this profession is that I'm constantly learning and constantly being exposed to new things. And, and that's the thought behind this show here, Law and Medicine. Uh, the thought was that we could bring to the listeners uh, guests who could uh, bring uh, informative and educational material to those who are listening and also provide some interesting uh, insights into their fields of practice. So today we have two uh, guests here in the studio with us, Dr. Nathan Berner. Uh, he's a chiropractor, uh, and I'm going to ask him to tell us about uh, his practice, but I'll go ahead and just tell you he, he practices a specific type of chiropractic, med- chiropractic medicine, which I think is very interesting. And uh, having been involved in personal injury law for many years now, I've, I've gotten to know um, many chiropractors, maybe hundreds, and I've had many clients who have treated with chiropractors, and I will say that I've just recently really learned about Dr. Berner's uh, specialty and hadn't known about it before. And it's very interesting. And the more I've learned about it, uh, the more it really makes sense to me. So uh, I'm uh, excited to bring him to you, the listeners, so he could tell us about exactly what he does and how he helps his patients. We also have here in the studio uh, Cooper Knowles, an attorney. Uh, Full disclosure, Cooper and I used to be law partners uh, a few years ago at at another firm that we were both previously with. Uh, Cooper also helps his clients. He's a, a trial lawyer like me and a plaintiff's lawyer like me. However, uh, his practice does does not involve personal injury. Instead, uh, he represents people who have uh, had damage to their real property, their land. 
Uh, it's a different type of claim, and it's very, um, I think, informative. He can share some uh, informative information with all of us that many people here in Georgia and around the country uh, may be, uh, uh, benefit from. Uh, so but we're going to start off today here speaking with Dr. Berner. So with that said, uh, doctor, please uh, just introduce yourself to listeners. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about your practice. Uh, my name is Dr. Berner, and as Adam said, I focus um, on a very, very specific type of care uh, called orthospinology. Um, we have a unique focus looking at the upper bones of the spine and how the brainstem can be affected. Uh, this can often lead to um, a myriad of problems that people can have that they may not associate with the brainstem. In addition, uh, we do a motion analysis with a, a sort of uh, video x-ray of the spine, and our goal is to really pinpoint exactly where the problem is coming from. Um, we see a lot of patients that um, have issues in other areas of the body, and they didn't realize it may be coming from their neck. Uh, in addition to that, I also am a board-certified instructor for the technique, so I I teach uh, doctors and students from around the country how to do this type of work. Okay, thank you uh, for that explanation. Let me back up here a little bit and kind of try to uh, get you to fill in some of the details there. So you, you mentioned uh, orthospinology. Uh, first of all, can, can you just tell us what that term uh, means, where is it, what it's derived from, the break it down for us here a little bit? Uh, we're essentially looking at the orthogonal position of the upper bones of the spine, the way the skull and the first and second vertebra, um, their orientation relative to each other. So we take a very specific three-dimensional um, type of x-ray that's unique to this type of care, um, and that goes into the adjustment and the type of adjustment that we do to get that lined up in what's called the orthogonal position. So that's where, the, that's where it stems from. Uh, it's a very, very light adjustment. It's very low force, um, but it has to be done very, very precisely. And then once we do the adjustment, we always post x-ray um, to see how close we got them to that position, and then we modify our adjustment based on that. So you mentioned some of the um, upper cervical, I guess, bones and vertebrae. I, I've heard um, that referred to as an axis. Is that correct? Yeah, the the atlas and the axis are the top two bones of the spine. Um, they're unique compared to uh, the rest of the spine, and they play a very integral role with the brainstem. And people that have problems with the brainstem can have problems throughout the entire body. It's the same as if you were to have a leak in your roof. Uh, you might see mold and mildew on your drywall, your tile. You know, you could have an assortment of problems. That's what you see, but that's not the root cause of the problem. So that's really what we're after is to try to find the root cause of the problem. And often it's the brainstem, but people don't look there because they have other issues or other areas that they're feeling the pain. And after um, getting to know you and, and learn about orthospinology through you, I've, I've done some reading on this subject, and uh, I've read um, – Somewhere in some of the materials, it described the, the atlas as being described as somewhat a, similar to the top of a, a golf tee, with the skull being the golf ball sitting on top of that. Is is that correct, or how would you? Uh, yes, the, the atlas is the top bone that your skull sits on. So it's a it's a very very um, small bone. The the brainstem sits right at the top, and then that bone is holding uh, the entire weight of your head. You can imagine if you're holding a, a bowling ball, for example, if you hold it in close to your body you could probably hold it for a few minutes. If you take it and move it out away from your body, the weight of the ball doesn't change, but um, it will appear to be much heavier. So when your head goes off center and those bones misalign, it can cause a lot of compensatory problems throughout the body. Okay. So 
how does that bone uh, become misaligned or get off center? Well, it's usually some sort of accident, injury, repetitive stress over time. Uh, which will damage the ligaments and tendons around the spine, and that will create a weakness. And that weakness will always be there the same way that you might tear your ACL. You know, it's probably never going to be as good as it was before it was torn. So when you have that weakness, it's going to cause your spine to misalign and then shift into a compromised position. And you can still move and get around and do most of your day-to-day stuff, but what happens over time is you get sort of a wear and tear that happens with the body, and that's what will often show up as symptoms. Okay, and those symptoms you told us can manifest themselves in a variety of ways in other parts of the body. Um, when you, if you get that bone or the atlas aligned, does that uh, often relieve those symptoms? In, in the vast majority of cases, it will. There, there's always cases that um, you know the patient's never going to be a hundred percent. Uh, we do uh, some work with a uh, MRI facility in Atlanta. There's one MRI facility that we've worked with to take a very, very specialized type of MRI of the cervical cranial junction. And there are some patients that, you know, with a car accident or, you know, whatever accident they may have had, um, they have a lot of soft tissue damage that we're now able to see and able to visualize um, with these very unique type of MRIs. And sometimes the damage is significant and they will improve. They may not always get back to 100%, but at least we can say why at this point. I use the term there, soft tissue damage. As a personal injury lawyer representing people who have been injured, I often hear from whether it's a defense lawyer or an insurance company adjuster who is handling a claim when my client's been injured, uh, I often hear that, well, it's it's only soft tissue damage or your client has only suffered soft tissue damage. In other words, minimizing that. Um, how would you respond to that type of um, opinion well, soft tissue damage can can cause some very significant problems long term. Um, a good example would be um, we have a patient. Um, she was around 30 years old, young, and uh, she had been unable to lift her arm uh, above her shoulder for almost 10 years. And um, she had gone to other chiropractors. She had gone to orthopedic surgeons. She had gone to medical doctors. She did several months of physical therapy. And she came into my office, and I worked on her. Um, she had had problems on the entire side of her uh, left side of her body, and we got some some improvement. She was able to lift her arm overhead almost immediately, but we could tell something wasn't quite right. So we sent her down. She was actually the first um, cervical cranial junction MRI that we did, and uh, she she had two ligaments torn uh, between her skull and her atlas vertebra. And there was some major instability there, and that was causing her a lot of issues. We also found what was called a Chiari malformation, uh, where the bottom of her brain comes through the hole in your skull. So she was having some very, very significant soft tissue injuries that were causing her a lot of problems. We never would have been able to see that um, without that specific MRI. We actually... Um, there's, I believe there's only two radiologists in the country that read these, and we have to send them down to Florida to, Florida to be read. Uh, we had the initial report from the radiologist in Atlanta that said negative study because they're not used to reading these types of MRIs. So when we sent it down to the specialist in Florida, that's when we found the other significant damage that had been done. Um, so that's going to cause her you know, problems for the rest of her life, and we're essentially trying to manage them at this point. So is that um, sort of a common scenario in your practice where you have patients coming in who have been 
treating with other doctors, whether they be chiropractors or MDs or what have you? Uh, yeah, quite often. We, we have a lot of travel patients, I believe. Um, we had one from California, one from South Africa. Last week, we have two from Tennessee. Next week, we get a lot of people that travel in that have been to other chiropractors, other doctors. They've either been told there's nothing wrong or we can't find anything or it's all in your head. And uh, with some of, the, some of the work that we do, we're able to prove why they have problems and then get them corrected. And like I said, some patients will be uh, to the point that they're never going to be 100%. Um, and usually we can get improvement, but oftentimes the patient is at least happy to know why they're having the problem that they're having. Okay. You mentioned travel uh, patients or patients traveling to you from around the country. I should have mentioned this at the beginning. Uh, your office is located in, in Marietta, Georgia, in the East Cobb area. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And um, sort of the northern suburbs of Atlanta. But you see patients from all over. If someone from another city uh, has found out about you and contacted you, uh, what would he or she need to do to um, make sure that they could come visit you and have an efficient visit, what would they do prior to coming? Uh, usually we would just have them call the office, uh, make an appointment. If they're coming from uh, a long distance, um, just let the office staff know so we can try to schedule more time for them. Uh, when a new patient comes in, we always do a consult. We want to make sure that it is a chiropractic issue. Not all issues are chiropractic in nature, so we have to make sure that, number one, it is a chiropractic issue uh, and rule the other stuff out. Um, and if they're traveling from out of state, you know, we just tell them just plan on being there a few hours because it is a long process for the first, um, you know, the analysis and the first adjustment. Okay. And you, you've mentioned other chiropractors who are not orthospinologists. Um, how did you, what type of education or training does one need to uh, go through to become uh, a specialist in orthospinology versus um, you know, sort of more common type of uh, chiropractor? There's a, um, there's a series of seminars that are taught outside of um, chiropractic school that a doctor would go through in order to become certified, and we have several different levels of certification. I teach the basic one and basic two seminars. And so if you wanted to learn this type of work as a doctor, you would go through those series of seminars and there would be different tests and then, you know, progress along the way until you reach the board certification level. Okay, And that's all postgraduate work after you've already graduated from chiropractic school. Correct. Okay. Um, what led you to become involved in this specific uh, area Going into chiropractic school, did you know that you wanted to practice in orthospinology? Is that something you learned about while you were studying? I, uh, I actually had no idea. Um, I really didn't have much of an idea halfway th through school what I wanted to do, but I was very, very analytical, so I knew that I wanted to do something that was very, um, that was very reproducible and objective and that we could measure in certain ways. And so the, the big thing was when I first opened my practice, I had a lot of great results, um, but there were some patients that just weren't getting, you know, as good as I thought they should be. And it led me back to the upper cervical spine. And that's when I started exploring this and eventually learned it and then became an instructor. Okay. And I want to touch on this for our listeners who um, are not familiar with orthospinology. You briefly referenced the fact that the adjustments which you uh, perform on your patients or I think you use the, the term light. Um, can you sort of explain in a little more detail the difference between the type of adjustment you provide versus what people are more used to thinking about when, uh, when they go to a chiropractor? Yes, it's a, it's a very, very low force 
type of adjustment. There's no twisting, cracking, popping of the spine in any way. Um, I don't want to get into the, you know, the details and the math. There's a lot of math and geometry that go into the adjustment. Um, and we use a, a essentially a, a vector-based adjustment with a laser-guided instrument that's very, very light force. So you barely feel anything, but it has to be done at the very, very precise angle in order to get the correction. But what we always do is we do some analysis after the adjustment, and then we re-x-ray to make sure we actually fixed what we were trying to correct. And if it's not good enough, we'll go back and re, uh, readjust it until it you know looks the way we want. Okay, so someone who um, might have some uh, hesitation or concern about having an, an aggressive type of adjustment to their neck or back, that's not the type of adjustment you're providing. They wouldn't have to worry about that. Uh, not at all. We, we almost deal with the opposite in a lot of ways. Um, it's, it's so light, especially with people that have been adjusted in different ways in the past. Uh, they often get off the table and say, that's it. I barely felt anything. It's, it's about three to five pounds um, of pressure. So it, it's very, very light. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Berner. Um, you gave us an example of the young lady you're treating or have treated who had difficulty raising her arm above her shoulder. And that, in my mind, is a little bit more of a, what I would consider like a musculoskeletal type issue. Are there other types of conditions that people come to you suffering from that, that you're able to help them with through this type of adjustment? We, we get a lot of cases that the patient has been everywhere and nobody can figure out what's wrong with him. Recently, we've had quite a few uh, vomiting cases. People vomit uncontrollably for days at a time, and this goes on for years and years and years. And uh, we've had five or six in the last several months that have had a dramatic improvement or complete resolution of the problem. Um, and, and even when you look at what a lot of people would call musculoskeletal injuries, you have to remember that when the brainstem is affected, the brainstem is controlling and coordinating the muscles. So people will say, well, it's just a muscular problem, but what's controlling the muscle? So if you have a problem at the brainstem, you're often looking to the side of pain, but it's coming from somewhere else, just as I had mentioned the, uh, the leak in the roof before. Right. Uh, you see mold and mildew on your drywall, and everyone looks to the drywall, but that's not the source of the problem. Okay. And tell us, um, for patients who are uh, listeners, I should say, who, who are listening to us now and are interested in contacting you, uh, may want to come see you for whatever uh, issues they're experiencing, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, you can look us up on our website. It's uh, com, and that's B-E-R-N-E-R. Uh, and the easiest way might be just to look us up on Google. Just Google Burner Family Chiropractic. Um, you'll find our website, our phone number. You can give us a call, ask any questions you have. People are more than welcome to come in for a consult. Uh, we're more than happy to sit down, explain things to people. Uh, it has to be what they're looking for as well. So um, we like to make sure people have all the information and then they can decide if it's right for them. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Berner. Uh, I think that is informative or has been informative for our listeners. Uh, and with that here, I'll turn to our next guest, Cooper Knowles, Attorney Cooper Knowles. Um, I mentioned here in our introduction, Cooper, that you and I uh, were law partners in a past life for the two of us here. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your practice now, your firm, and what you do. Uh, thank you, Adam. And I enjoyed practicing law with you very much. I appreciate um, that. I basically represent um, individuals in what I call complex litigation that arises primarily from uh, damage to real property. 
Um, Real property being land. Land that has that has been purchased and um, no, it's and owned often in fee simple, so that because of by virtue of your or this a person's uh, position as an owner of land, that person is vested or entitled to certain rights that or, that go along with the ownership of land. <clears throat> and All right, so as a homeowner. I have certain rights as a homeowner, basically. Or That's if, correct. If I own a land, whatever land I own, it could be a farm. It could be my where my business is located. But I have certain rights uh, which are attached to the fact that I own that land. That's right. And and so what we do is – and typically I say it's complex litigation because very often uh, you'll see, um, uh, as an example, um, some people who bought a home – in a subdivision, a residential area that is uh, has lakeside access to it, um, and that land may be owned. The, the lake may be owned by the property owners themselves, or there may be a homeowner association. Um, uh, and and then, it, due to someone's uh, negligence, usually uh, upstream from that lake, the lake becomes polluted and needs to be cleaned up. So oftentimes I won't just represent one landowner. It will be groups of landowners. Um, And what we do uh, to help individuals whose property rights have been damaged is utilize uh, two areas of the law, uh, trespass and nuisance law, uh, which have uh, been around for uh, almost as long as humans have been living together uh, because property and the associated rights are that important to us as a society. Um, the trespass cases and the nuisance cases are similar, uh, but they're not identical. Um, and so let me explain that a little bit. For trespass, uh, one of your rights as a property owner is to exclusive possession of your property. Um, you have the right to control who and what comes onto your property. Um, when someone enters or harms your property, um, uh, they have committed a trespass, and at that point you have certain legal rights. Um, nuisance is similar. Nuisance arises from uh, the right that you enjoy as a property owner of what we call um, quiet enjoyment, and that means you get to use your land in a way that you see fit without being unreasonably interfered with by others Uh, either adjacent property owners or someone uh, that can be not just adjacent but within several miles away, just depending on what kind of interference is occurring with your ability to quietly enjoy your property. Um, But very often there is no intrusion onto your property. Um, And so, for instance, someone could have uh, a a factory near you – where there are um, bright lights um, or traffic that uh, makes uh, it, it difficult for you to access your property. Even though there's not the what we think of as an invasion of your property, you still have a right that's been harmed. And so that allows you to file or use the nuisance law uh, to obtain relief from that uh, interference with your property right. And I want to ask you about the types of relief that people or your clients uh, can seek to recover. But before we do that, let me back up here and ask you a little bit more about these two types of claims. Just try to 
put it in the context that you know a layman, a layperson can understand a little bit here. So we're a trespass. We've all seen no trespassing signs on a piece of land, and obviously uh, the person who posted that intends to to convey the the message that you know you can't walk onto my property, you can't come on my property. But what other ways? What are some other ways in which a trespass can occur other than me actually walking on you know past your boundary onto your land? Uh, how, what are some other specific examples of the way a trespass can occur? Sure. Uh, the one that that we've seen the most, I guess, in, in the time we practiced, uh, were uh, involved um, excessive stormwater being diverted onto people's property. Um, it happens a lot in the metro area, whether it's new construction or whether it's, uh, uh, you know, a reconstruction or, or a change or modification in a, in a piece of land and its topography. Um, so what, once the uh, land is altered, um, what happens is the hydrology on the property changes. And so if you're downstream or you're lower level uh, from that property, someone comes in, let's say they purchased it, tear down the existing structure, put up a much larger structure, regrade their land, um, and then as the rains, when the rains come, they no longer flow the way they used to. And so if you're below that, it can create very, very difficult problems. Um, I often say well, you know, if you break the hydrology, it's hard to get it back uh, to the right, get it functioning again the way it was before the change occurred. So you see um, lots of, for instance, we had a homeowner um, who had uh, someone up the hill buy a piece of land, cut all the trees down, grade it, and not do anything to adequately control the stormwater runoff. So every time it rained, their swimming pool would get filled up with muddy water. They'd have to change the filters. It cost them a lot of money and maintenance. Plus, it affected their ability to use their pool. Um, so we see that. We also have seen uh, where uh, people or co- corporations um, have come in and purchased um, a land and then started performing some sort of industrial activity. Um, and so, for example, uh, we had uh, we represented some people that lived around what was a farm and what got turned into um, a facility that used land application systems to recycle human wastes. Um, by, and, and theoretically what they were supposed to do was take a septic tank, septage, uh, process it, uh, and, and turn it into what amounts to fertilizer. However, they weren't doing that. Um, they were circumventing the, the science, so to speak, and it created some very awful odors, very bad odors, and the people had difficulty going outside, especially in the summer. So that was a way that, that these odors were trespassing onto their property. We've also uh, helped people who um, lived ne- nearby a quarry, and the quarry expanded, and the the blasting the you know they would they would use twenty five thousand pounds of explosives to dislodge the rock, and obviously that would create a lot of vibrations, um, and that would cause problems. And it was interesting the first time I visited with with the client, the uh, her problem was that the vibrations had, were setting off her um, motion detectors for her alarm, and she was having to pay fines from the fire department for the false alarms. Um, and then there was also structural issues. So there, there are various ways that, that your property can be interfered with uh, and, and that will form a trespass. But the law 
uh, like I said, by virtue of being a property owner, gives you um, a right to relief. Okay. And what types of relief uh, can people seek or pursue through the court system if they're the victim of a trespass or a nuisance has been created which affects their ability to, to use their own property, enjoy their own property? What type of relief can they seek? Well, I, I, I'll address that sort of in two components, one being um, state law and the second being federal law. Um, under state law, the trespass nuisance claims we're talking about, um, they're, they're really very good for people who've had their property rights injured. The first thing you can recover is um, what we call a cost of repair. Um, so, in other words, if it's going to cost $150,000 to clean up a lake, um, uh, $300,000 to restore a, a stream channel that's been that badly eroded, you can recover that. A jury can award monetary damages for that. There's also um, d- diminution in value. Um, very often when your home's been damaged, especially by water, but by any kind of environmental influence, if you go to sell your property, you have to disclose that um, under Georgia law uh, or or risk being subject to allegations of fraud. So uh, once that disclosure is made, the um, uh, value of your property on the market will decrease. You can recover for that. You can also get uh, what we call general damages for the annoyance and inconvenience of having to endure the nuisance conditions or the trespass conditions, conditions, and that's uh, general damages because it's determined by the enlightened conscience of the jury in an amount that would be sufficient to compensate you. In, in addition, your attorney's fees are available as well as punitive damages if the facts support such an award. That's in state court, and you have to file these cases usually in superior court because you also can receive injunctive relief, equitable relief, where a court can order a, a wrongdoing party to stop interfering with your property rights, and that's often very important. If you, we, What we've also learned doing these cases is that often with water pollution, we need to turn to federal uh, law like Clean Water Act, and in those cases, the injunctive relief is even broader, uh, and the federal courts can order these polluters to actually go in and, and, and clean up all of the pollution that they had admitted. Well, let me follow up on that, and, and as we're Running short on time, I do want to cover something here. You, you refer to the fact uh, that the federal courts could order the polluter or the offending party to take certain actions or stop doing certain things. Uh, why why sue to begin with? Why don't your clients just go to the, the appropriate governmental entity, whether it be the, the local zoning board or the city or the county or the state, the Department of Natural Resources or what have you, EPD, and just ask these folks to, to take care of whatever the problem is? and avoid having to, you know, end up in a courtroom? Well, the truth is they, almost all of our clients have done that. They've called their local government. They've called the state government, the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. Sometimes they've contacted the Army Corps of Engineers. Those regulatory agencies have been um, uh, uh, limited uh, in, in what they can actually do. And so very often the... the uh, the governmental agency will come out, um, issue a, st- a notice of, of, of violation, a stop work order or whatever, and then they'll, they'll turn to the property owner and say, for your damages, this is a civil matter and you need to go to court because they only have their, – their jurisdiction only extends so far. Um, plus, the, the 
uh, often the corporations look at the cost of paying a fine versus stopping the pollution, and they just choose to pay the fine. Okay, and as we wrap up here, let me ask you this. When you do, when a client does come to you and hire you to help, um, what type of challenges? Uh, you told us that the law supports these claims and the laws have been around a long time. What types of challenges do you face uh, in bringing these cases? Well, one of the one of the biggest is, is came about because of, of tort reform and, and, and just brief explanation there. The uh, joint and several liability law was changed, and so now we have to have a jury apportion damages based on the the number of wrongdoers and what percentage of, th- of fault they're at. In the past, we would sue, say, the uh, real estate developer. Um, now they will, even if we just sue that one developer, they can point the finger to all the subcontractors, the graders, the erosion and sedimentation control people, people that they hired, uh, but they can now turn around and point the finger at. And if we don't turn around and sue those people, usually from the beginning, we're faced the threat of going before a jury and having a defendant say, well, just because I was in charge, we hired somebody, they did a bad job, and you should make the jury should make them uh, uh, pay for this damage. So it affected, expands litigation and so, makes it more expensive. So you have to bring all those parties into the litigation. Instead of having one defendant who controlled the whole job, you have to bring in all the subcontractors and have multiple defendants, multiple law firms involved, yeah. expanding the scope of the litigation. Yeah, and in fact, during a, a deposition of an engineer, he asked why we'd sued him, and I told him it was tort reform. He said, I thought that was just about doctors. And I was like, well, no, it really wasn't. It was about making it harder. Uh, for access to the courts. And so that's that's been an unfortunate development. All right. Well, Cooper, uh, I appreciate I wish we had more time. There's a lot more I'd like to ask you about. But um, if anyone listening is having some type of issue where their property rights are being affected, and I know there's a lot of other types of property rights we didn't get into right. uh, due to time, but if they're having any type of property right affected and they want to contact you, uh, how can they do that? I think the best thing to do is just Google me. Uh, it's, it's Cooper Knowles, C-O-O-P-E-R-K-N-O-W-L-E-S, and my contact information you can find at the Super Lawyers website. Um, and uh, my domain is uh, www.cckfirm.com. Cckfirm.com. Correct. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Well, that, uh, I think, concludes the show for today. I appreciate both of our guests, Dr. Berner from Berner Family Chiropractic in Marietta, Georgia, Cooper Knowles, a real estate or uh, property rights attorney here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Again, I'm Adam Prinzenthal with the law firm of Prinzenthal & May. We focus on personal injury, serious personal injury, wrongful death, and workers' compensation uh, offices here in Atlanta, Georgia, and LaGrange, Georgia, LaGrange, Georgia, but we represent people all over the state of Georgia and uh, the southeast. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us and our guests on the Law and Medicine Show. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of the Law and Medicine Show, brought to you by the law firm of Princenthal and May. To connect with the show's sponsor, visit princemay.com. And to listen to previous broadcasts, visit lawandmedicineshow.com.
Hey, I'm Maurice. As a barber, you might think my scissors are my main tool, but really, it's Metro. That's where I got my iPhone 7. Its camera makes sharing my cuts as simple as snip, snap, share. Right now, get an iPhone 7 with a camera that shoots 4K for just $49.99 when you switch to the number one brand in prepaid. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Requires port in a eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. And verification of ID and independent database. Limit four per account slash household. 32 gigabyte iPhone 7 model only. No tethering. See store for details and terms and conditions.